0: Welcome to the Thriving in the Word podcast. We are so happy to have you listening today and it's a great conversation that we have as we dig deep in the Word. If you're enjoying the Thriving in the Word podcast, we would invite you to like it on whichever podcast service you use, leave a comment, a rating, review, even share it on social media. Let your friends and family know about what we're doing here. We hope that you enjoy this edition of Thriving in the Word. Okay, so here we are back in Zechariah. We're discussing chapters 8 through 14, and we have with us the one and only Lenny Salgado. Staring into his coffee cup. Um, we have, have Ben
1: He wants to tell the future. It's yeah.
0: important. It's my eight ball. No, it's, it's
2: supposed to be staring into tea
0: leaves, not, oh, not geez, coffee grounds. That's why it doesn't work. It's my eight ball. Yeah, yeah. Tell me, do I need another cup of coffee? Yes. Um, uh, we have Dave Lamana, of course, with us. Myself, Judah Thomas. And uh, Johnny V is not with us today. So uh, we're going to jump in and discuss what has uh, stood out to us, what God has spoken to us as we've been reading through these chapters here in Zechariah. So let's jump right in. Anything stand out to you guys?
3: Chapter 9. Chapter 9, verse 9, let's say 9 and 10. I don't know. I highlighted those. I went over this last night. It's, oh, rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, Your king is coming to you. He's righteous and victorious, yet he is humble. He's righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. Mm. And then 10 goes on. I will remove the battle chariots from Israel and the war horses from Jerusalem. I will destroy all the weapons used in battle, and your king will bring peace to the nations. His realm will stretch from sea to sea, from and from the Euphrates River to the ends of the earth. So uh, those verses, I, I, I'm looking at them like, okay, this is, uh, they're almost, I, I think I might have mentioned it. So maybe we did talk a little bit about this, that these are, to me, centerpiece verses. Um, if you read chapters one through eight, you're getting the restoration of Israel in in, in, uh, in the restored land of Israel, rather, the restored land itself. And then when you go from 11 to 17, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, verses 11 to 17 is what I mean, uh, The um, th- then you're getting the restored people and you can easily see the messianic re- reference here, right? Yeah. Everybody can see that. And, and so we know that the messianic role, I mean, the, the messianic king, Jesus Christ, plays a central role in the drama of restoration. Mm-hmm. We do not get restored unless through Jesus Christ. And so here it is. That's why for me in this particular chapter, I highlighted only those verses. Okay, that—that that is central right there. And that's one of the things that stuck out to me.
0: Well, you know, and... and- even within that that prophecy, um, and, and I think we, we did mention this a little bit that when a king would come into the city, they would come in, you know, often on a war horse, and that would symbolize, you know, this kind of dominance or or whatever. But when they would come in on a donkey that was this symbol of of peace. And here we see not only is this predicting this king riding on a donkey, but it has this like little uh, subtext, uh, this addendum. This is not just a donkey, but a donkey's colt, right? And then, and then we see that in Jesus's triumphal entry, that that he comes in not on just on a donkey, but on a donkey's colt, and. Uh, and some people have, have speculated even just the, uh, the interesting nature of that, that it's like this was a, a cult that had probably never been ridden before, probably wanted to be with its mother, but yet here it is, and it's, it's leading or it's carrying Jesus into this, uh, this city, but as he's coming in, not as the prince of war, but as the prince of peace, uh, coming to declare Piece. And, and just there's like so much symbolism, even just yeah. as how Jesus comes in and how he's coming in through the sheep gate and like like all of these things. But how these things were, uh, were foretold, you know, thousands of years previously.
3: Well, I, I imagine that all of us have seen movies, whether it's of the medieval ages or somewhere and have a vision of a war horse. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you brought that up, because let's picture a war horse versus a donkey or a donkey's oh, colt. Yeah. So you got a war horse. You can picture one of these Budweiser horses like yeah. a 1920 Hands with High a bunch of decked armor. out in all the armor, yep, right, Leonard? Yep, yep. Decked out in the armor with, you know, in, in horses, when they discovered horses for battle, I mean, when you had a, a riding army or riding soldiers, I mean, it was critical back then. That was the key to winning a battle. So a war horse as due to said the imagery is incredible. And in, 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 it says... I will remove the battle chariots and the war horses from Jerusalem. Uh, this is this is what's going to happen. So you take that huge war horse and picture thousands of them and then you have a little colt, a donkey colt that Jesus rides in on. War versus peace. Uh, and in in the imagery there is incredible, you're yeah. right, Jude.
0: yeah. And I mean I mean you think of I mean being the messiah he could have ridden anything he wanted to he could have- come riding in on an elephant, you know what a lion and, yeah, anything. Yeah, a lion I mean like what a spectacle that would have been, <laughs> right but yet he he chooses something humble and lowly as as he was, and again this declaration of peace and declaring peace in a time that was tumultuous like mm. they you know they weren't they wouldn't have expected their king to come riding in on a donkey during. You know they're they're under Roman occupation and like Mm. all this stuff. It's like
3: yeah. Well, in fact, they didn't expect that because, as we all know, they were waiting for. Oh, Jesus is gonna lead us with, with mm, swords and, right. and right, on, when are right. we gonna have this revolution? And that
0: yeah.
3: they did expect that. They would have cheered
0: him. if he came in on a horse. I mean, they cheered when he came in on a donkey, but I mean, like, they would have really cheered if he came in on a, on a horse. It's like, okay, guys. What? Oh, yeah. Grab your arms. Let's go. I'm behind <laughs> you <know>. this guy. <laughs> the impression
3: <laughs> yeah. of the Romans over the Jews was such that, yeah, these factions were they they were just waiting for somebody who they thought was not a Messiah in the sense that they got, but a Messiah in the sense that he's gonna he's gonna destroy our enemies. He's going to destroy the Romans. A warrior
0: king.
1: A right.
3: warrior king, exactly, yeah. Ben.
0: Yeah. But instead they get a humble king, mm. a peaceful king. Yep. And uh and it was just a juxtaposition there, you know, of of what they were <clears throat> expecting versus what they got. And uh skipping down to sixteen it says, you know, on that day, the Lord their God will rescue His people, just as a shepherd rescues his sheep. And then this next sentence just kind of stuck out <clears throat> at me in the New Living. It says they will sparkle in His lands like crown, like jewels in a crown. And just that kind of like the visual thing of like sparkling in the land, like jewels in the in a crown. And and it's it's just like this. uh This visual image of of them just flourishing. They're Mm. sparkling. There's no nothing tarnishing them. They're they're able to reflect the light. What is a sparkle? A sparkle is a reflection of the light, you know, that has come into the facets of a jewel, right? A jewel doesn't sparkle unless if it has been faceted by a jeweler who takes it and cuts it and shapes it into such a way, like you you take a diamond and and look at that. And if you've seen a diamond in the raw, it's it's reasonably unimpressive. But when a jeweler cuts it and puts these facets, these sides on it, it it's able to um, sparkle and fire comes from it. And uh, and I think that that's that's the symbolism here that God is making that that we are rescued, but then we're able to flourish because of the the rescuing. It says how wonderful and beautiful they'll be young men will thrive and the young women will flourish, you know? And it's like this, this idea of, of living the Christ, uh, centered life, but even before they understood what that meant.
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. because uh, my, my Bible, um, my Bible app plan today was, uh, literally talking about the very thing of him coming in on the cult. Like we're up to that on John. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting doing, the what's the one I'm doing now is the, the Bible project, I get to see every single one of their videos that's some interesting stuff
3: Mm-mm.
2: anything else stand out to anybody i've i like this is going to be super simple but i mean i've grown up in church and you know they they talk about the significance of jesus riding it on a donkey but it's never been like spoken about like how we're speaking about it today mm. the significance about it like i i know we were we're we're talking about it and i'm kind of bringing it back around but like you know it talks about how you know women elderly will be able to walk with their canes and kids will be able to play and I'm like I can't get the that that imagery out of my mind like like a like a a warrior just bursting through like the gates like ready to come back home to be fed I just came from war blood all over him Mm. and like I'm thinking like can the gate open and their kids be playing and old people standing right near the gate. Mm. No, they're gonna be trampled, they're gonna be killed, and like, you don't stand near the gate. And so I, I just, it really, it really shows more and more of Jesus's character, of like humility, and how to be humble, how to be like quiet, mm. right? Like, he could have chose something that made so much more noise before he got there as well. Yeah, Like, he probably s- snuck up on the place. <laughs> I don't know. Just thinking out loud. Mm.
0: You know, jump into Zechariah 10 too, because Lenny was trying to predict the future in his coffee grounds this morning. Did it work? Uh, <clears throat> no. It says, "Household gods give worthless advice. Fortune tellers predict only lies, and interpreters of dreams pronounce falsehoods that give no comfort. So my people are wandering like lost sheep. They're attacked because they have no shepherd." And uh, I'm still
2: staring, and there's still coffee. <laughs> yeah,
0: still, still in there. Well, um, but just this idea, you know, people. They, they turn to fortune telling and they turn to all of these, you know, astrology and things like that. Why? Because it says they're like wandering like lost sheep. They're attacked because they have no shepherd. And when you have no shepherd, it's like you feel like you need to have some kind of guidance with something. Right. And so they're just turning to uh, turning to things that are giving maybe a false sense of hope, a false sense of security, but really have no no abilities to act. Transform or impact your life, like a piece of wood.
1: I mean, why they can't they find something like this water bottle that I have in my hand? Now, this water bottle is much better than a
2: piece of wood. Yeah. So this most likely is a god
0: that'll actually give you life for a little actually, bit. Yes,
2: actually, <laughs> do do you believe in like 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 the miracle water on like the Spanish like on the uh, Christian? Like TV stations? Oh, absolutely!
0: I drink a shot every
2: morning. Every morning. <laughs> All right. Well, we're gonna post it on the link on our yeah, podcast. <laughs> no, I mean in our description. Yeah. So you can order it. Yeah. No. No.
0: I, I've I've seen a lot of that stuff over the years, but you, you know, know, it's just it's 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 people capitalizing on the naivete and hopeless feelings that people have. Um, people are looking for hope. Right, and some some guy, some charlatan comes online, comes on TV saying, "Give us a donation, and we'll send you this holy water. We'll send you this manna from heaven. We'll send you this or that. We'll send you this piece of paper. You can trace your hand in and send it back to us, and I'll put my hand in it and pray for you." And you, you know, it's like, you know what? We, we don't need any of that. You know, we need Jesus. We need Scripture. We can go straightly, straight to Him. It says we can come boldly before the throne and receive the mercy and help. It's like, I mean, do you think Jesus of Nazareth was like, guys, I want to heal you, but I'm going to withhold that healing until you send 1995 to this (laughs) televangelist to get... A few ounces of his blessed holy water.
3: But wait, there's more. there's more. There's yeah. <laughs> more. You can get two for one today, yeah. special. Yeah. Just pay additional shipping and cost. And eight. if you order <laughs> now, yeah. and that was back when
2: 1995 was a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Inflation now it's not.
1: Yeah. You know, so. I,
2: I, I bring this up because I actually had a pretty, pretty heated argument with someone yesterday that was just. I mean, like I wasn't upset. They, I can just tell they were really frustrated about how, like, the church, like, abuses their, the, the, like, the pulpit, and how they abuse, like, you know, God's word for their own agenda, and that's why I was, like, even fortune-telling, like, some people, even from the, the pulpit, will say certain things, like, try to tell the future, or say certain, like, persuade people in a way where that's not the direction that God wants them to go, right, and that's why I brought it up, because amongst us, I know that we can bring some clarity to this individual, um, and and hopefully, you know, others would listen to to it too. That yes, the church unfortunately can abuse its its power. You know,
0: within this. Here's the thing: God's word doesn't need you to add junk to it to make it right. more relevant to your life. Mm. He doesn't need you to go up there and promise things that you have no right of promising. He doesn't have you know. It, it's like we don't have the right to do that to go and add too. It's like, I, I've seen these things and I mean, you know, fortunately I think it's, it's diminishing probably in, in some extent, but, um, but it's like these, uh, these guys that try to, you know, do these, I don't know, things from the stage. Is anybody in here have any back pain? God told me somebody in here has back pain. It's like, <laughs> of course, somebody Absolutely. in here has back pain. Right. What? And then, you know, <laughs> and, and then it's like, and I've seen this, um, where like you know, I feel like God's saying somebody's got, or somebody's got pain in their left hip. I mean, when you got a group of a thousand people in a room, mm-hmm. somebody's got pain in their left hip, right? I mean, it's like, yeah. come yeah. on, like, like I'm not trying to be jaded, but I'm jaded. You know, it, it, it's like, and it's okay, you know what? God's healing you now. Raise your hand if you're feeling that healing right now. Mm-hmm. And the guy's like, yeah, you know what? It doesn't hurt as much as it did before. The raise, and everybody's yep. applauding, and mm-hmm. yes, thank you, Lord. And, and, and I mean. I never want to undermine the power of a legitimate healing, the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we we saw one right in in New Britain when we were getting ready to launch, and and there was a uh, an individual that was just in in chronic physical pain, mm-hmm. and there and mm-hmm. could not even barely walk into mm-hmm. the room, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 we we're 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 praying and we're singing and we're praising God and. And something rose up inside of me, which doesn't always happen. It's like you need to pray for this person right now, and so so we we brought this person and there, and we're all praying, and and I just spoke what Scripture says. You said you know just be healed in Jesus name. And I'm like, how do you feel? And I mean, it was like like immediate. Like I don't feel any pain anymore. No, I and 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 so even like I'm I'm the one kind of initiating this, and I'm skeptical. I'm like, okay, well you know sit down and stand like let's see. And I mean, and this person had experiences for for like, I don't know, a long, long years, period of time. Years, yeah. And um, and this was uh, over a year and a half now. And whenever I see them, not whenever, but occasionally I'm like, how are you feeling? And then I just asked the person a couple weeks ago. And they're like, great. Still haven't felt that pain since that time. And it's like, okay, that is a real legitimate healing. Like, I can't take credit for it. All I did was play a small part in it. Yeah, okay. But... I mean, God did that and didn't need me to try to fabricate something. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen these these videos online where they're like, oh, you know, this healing or this or that. And it's like, and, and it's funny how they downgrade their questions. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, oh, my back is hurting. And and so the guy said, you know, prays for them. And they're like, how does your back feel? Well, it's still hurting. So they pray. How's it feel now? Still hurting. How's it feel now? okay it's feeling a little bit better and it's like at what point are they saying this because it really feels better because they're just like how long are we going to stand here
2: well and that's when they, you know that's and exactly, it's like that, <laughs> oh, and that's their cue to say something's happening
0: yeah it's like well it's else feeling wants- better it's feeling better yeah. okay you know what it, <laughs> and, and, and i mean and here's the thing, like I'm, it, I'm, it,
2: it's it's a that, like, slippery slope. I, yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to like derail, like yeah, no. Zach. just, I mean, I feel like there's people... not many
3: rails in here.
2: Anyway, <laughs> when, <he's, laughs>
3: when he's standing there asking the guy a third time, well, how's it feel now? Yeah. goes, I, I don't know. know. Somebody else in the back room says, I don't know about him, but mine's feeling <laughs> <Yeah>. better. <laughs>
0: you shut up! <laughs> yeah. back there. I'm not talking about you. It's not your turn <laughs> for deliverance. I'm not, I'm not healing you yet. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Yeah, this is off the rails. Um, How do you feel
1: now? Like, well, uh, I feel like you're a charlatan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and,
0: and, and I and I do like to ask people that because it's like I, I want to be able to see and rejoice if, if they are legitimately healed. But if they're like, no, nothing. I'm like, okay, well, obviously nothing happened. So mm. we'll keep praying for you. You know, it's not up to me. But anyhow, winding this, you know, pulling this, this, uh, this train back onto the rails slightly. Um, it's like whenever we're we're offering some counterfeit. It's like give the real thing. You know, it's mm. like these these people here they're 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 seeking this stuff. They're seeking the, this worthless advice these uh fortune tellers, predictors of dreams and when well, they should be just seeking God, right? And just yeah. trusting him for uh the direction, the guidance, the healing. And and I believe that God does heal, he does direct, he does guide, but he's certainly not going to do it through these through these fabricated, you know, mechanisms that we tend to come up with. You know, my my, my challenge to some of these folks is is if, is if you can consistently, not you, because it shouldn't be you anyway. It's the Holy Spirit that heals. But if you could consistently heal people this effectively, well, let's go down to the hospital and clean this place out. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like, let's do it now. Yeah, But...
1: Mm-hmm. And, and it, you'll mm-hmm. get to you know maybe they somebody who has an ability and then they'll think geez think of all the money I can make off of this right. and then okay and then like okay
0: yeah and, and and that's where it that's where it just uh it, it degrades quickly. So. Well, in
2: Zechariah ten three it says, "My anger burns against your shepherds, and I will punish these leaders for the Lord of Heaven's armies has arrived to look after Judah his flock. He will make them strong and glorious like a proud warhouse in battle." But I mean, in verse three, like I have to answer if I don't want to lead people in the wrong direction, yeah. right? And and to those who are listening, yes, those who are using, you know, God's Word in vain or, you know, doing things in an evil, corrupt way, like, they will have to answer. Yeah. Like, I, I won't answer on their behalf, but I will say that there are a lot of frustrated people who have tried to follow Christ, and I think yesterday that, in, you know, having that conversation with him, uh, I think he was upset that I didn't get upset,
3: yeah.
2: right? So I'm also saddened by how many times he might have had so many, you know, questions or, you know, wanted to have this, this conversation with so many people, and they maybe just like had nothing to stand on, like God's word, nothing to stand on, no, no peace <clears throat> about themselves, no good character, just frustrated, and this guy still, you know, has stood strong with his opinions, and yesterday, like he was I sat in front of him actually. like I was just like, yeah, let me let me grab a, let me grab a chair. <laughs> you know like please like let me know what's going on, right? And it was an awesome conversation. So if you, you will know if if you are being led by someone who's allowing the Holy Spirit to be worked through them.
3: Yeah.
2: ultimately. that's what we want to seek is wisdom from the Holy Spirit.
0: I'm skipping to verse 12 and 10 says, but by my power i'll make my people strong Mm -hmm. and by my authority they'll go wherever they wish i the lord have spoken Mm -hmm. and uh and it kind of changed changed uh direction here a little bit but just that by my power i will make my people strong Mm -hmm. and that just kind of resonated with me a little bit because you know i'm not particularly powerful in and of myself um but it's by god's power you know and, and by his power he makes us strong, whether we're going through adversity, whether we're going through pain, whether we're going through through loss um, of a loved one, loss of income, loss of whatever. It's like by His power, He makes us strong. And, uh, and I think that's just an encouraging uh, verse overall just for us. Um, and it says, by my authority, they'll go wherever they wish I've spoken.
2: And we're in it together. Like we're go- we're in it together. Whatever, yeah. good the bad, we are made strong.
3: Another thing that I noticed in here, particularly, and it goes back to us trying to make, or at least for ourselves and others that might be listening, the old make the Old Testament relevant. I mean, you know, does it have application to today? Not only does it have application to today, as we've proven numerous times, but it also ties in so well with the New Testament that we've learned and I've learned. I've I've discovered so many new things in this Bible study, Uh, all the references that I've overlooked from the New Testament that come from the Old Testament. And we're approaching the end of the minor prophets, but more than that, we're approaching the end of the New Te- of the Old Testament, and if we were to continue, I mean, we chose the minor prophets. We're going to be on number 12, coming up with, with uh, Malachi, or Malachi, as Judy calls him. <laughs> and what, what have we got here? So I'm, I'm thinking that in Zechariah, there's something very important. This is, I was, I, I gleaned this out of it, not last night, I reread it again, but, you know, prior to my leaving on my trip. And there are so many prophecies or references about Jesus in in the in the messianic era uh, that abound in Zechariah. Now, I I think we've read some of them, but I just want to point them out to you. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's incredible. And in the reason I want to point it out is because, as I said, we're getting close to the end of the Old Testament. Get yeah. ready, you know, for the Bible anyway to go into the New Testament. Whether we choose that or not is another story. But so he's Zechariah is focused on that. So take a look at. Uh, 2, and we're going back, I know that, but I'm going to tie it in with, yeah. you know, our current, 2, 10 through 12, okay, chapter 2, verses 10 through 12, and we, had, we had, may have referenced this where the Lord says, shout and rejoice, O beautiful Jerusalem, for I am coming to live among you. Many nations will join themselves to the Lord on that day, and they too will be my people. I will live among you, and you will know that the Lord of heaven's army sent me to you. Okay, that's one. Then you go to three, chapter three, eight and nine. Listen to me, O Joshua, the high priest and all you other priests, you are symbols of things to come. You are symbols of things to come. Soon I am going to bring my servant, the branch, and I'll stop right there on that one. Then we go to, there's others, but let's go to six. And, And in chapter Chapter 6, what verses did I highlight? 12 and 13. Excuse me. Tell him this is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Here is the man called the branch. He will branch out Hmm. from where he is and build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he will build the temple of the Lord. Then he will receive royal honor and rule as king from his throne. He will also serve as priest from his throne. And there will be perfect harmony between his two roles. Okay, now let's go into the sections that we're in. Chapter 12, verse 10. Then I will pour out a spirit of grace and prayer on the family of David and on the people of Jerusalem. They will look on me, whom they have pierced, and mourn for him as for an only son. They will grieve bitterly for him as a firstborn son who has died. All of this, and we can go on, there's others. All of this is, is about the Messianic era. Right? Mm-hmm. All of it. And, and it's so relevant because, as I said, we're getting close to the end of the Old Testament. Yeah. yeah. So all the reference there, I started going back over it. and I know we've read it, and I know yeah. you, you guys have read it. But all of a sudden, I said to myself, wait a minute. What is one of the themes here? What's Zechariah talking about? He is talking about the Messiah mm-hmm. a lot. It's, it seems to be a, almost a central theme for him here. You're
1: talking about here in uh, the last part you brought up where it's uh, the family of David and the people of Jerusalem. Mm. And then you go to, like, the beginning of Matthew where they go through his entire lineage of Jesus Christ and you see that he is in the line of David. Right. So even like that, it's like, and then the branch and everything and uh, the cult, yeah. A lot of uh, messianic uh, prophecy going on.
0: Well, it's like, I don't know how to describe this but it's like the the vibration is increasing it's like it's like it's reaching a a fever pitch it's like it's like the i don't know this is a dumb analogy but like the 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 thx like the dolby sound at the movie theater you know and it's like how you got all these this cacophony of noise and then it all comes together into like one solid note right like and then it's like you're like oh wow like the movie's starting and and that's almost like what this is it's like there's all this this vibrate all this stuff is going and it's like it's getting getting more and more and more and more and it's like something's gonna happen we don't know what
3: and, and even Zechariah, like, I don't know. I don't think he even had a clue what he was saying. Like, he, not really. He's I don't... just delivering it. Right. He could be yeah. just delivering it. But, but again, think about it for us and for anybody listening or anybody that's reading the Bible. You, you, you want to know what, what was going to happen. Well, if you read this closely as we're doing it, and you get all these messianic references, as you said, too, Ben. And then, yeah, does it tie in with the New Testament? I only want to read the New Testament because that's the only parts that's relevant. If we didn't have the Old Testament, and let's just say Zechariah here referring to it, or if you do read the Old Testament, you could find out what was going to happen. You could see that it was foretold, and to me, that's very important. Gotta be a setup. My yeah. goodness, It like, gives you validity. Absolutely,
0: like volleyball, right? Bump, set, spike. So you get to bump, the set, and then Jesus comes and hits it home. You know, it's like all the stuff. It was all it's all orchestrated together. In a way that even the players, I don't think it's like a one timer.
1: You were talking hockey yesterday. Mm. There's a play called a one timer. What a one timer is, is: you pass the puck, and as the puck is coming to you, the other guy is already swinging like it's baseball mm. and hits that
2: puck and gets it right into the goal. Dude, I'm already like, I already counted like ten different sports <laughs> <laughs> with like, like, like that father, son, holy spirit. Quarterback says hike. They try to stop him, first down or touchdown. Mm. Baseball, yes. He pitches the ball, the swings, they make a play, yeah. like holy cow, like that's that's that that's it. Jesus, thank you so much for the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yep. Skeet shooting, the guy pulls, <laughs> they're going oh! go, boom. <laughs> no, that's just two
3: sports, <laughs> sports. sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sports, sports. <laughs> There, there's another. There's another, and I highlighted this, and I, I I don't want to bring us back this, on track. Please, please, I'm going to bring this guy's back on track. Please, that's okay, and I like sports too. But thirteen one, this is this is so beautiful. On that day, my book says, on that day, a fountain. Keep the symbolism in mind. Mm-hmm. A fountain will be opened for the dynasty of David, and for the people of Jerusalem, a fountain to cleanse them all. To cleanse them from all their sins and purity. Let me read that last part. A fountain to cleanse them all, to cleanse them from all their sins and purity. Je- what I'm getting on this: Jesus is the Savior of Israel. He's a fountain whose blood will cover the sins uh, of all who come to Him. Mm-hmm. If you come to Him, will all anybody who comes to Him for salvation? I looked up a reference on that, you don't have to go to it, but I'm just going to tell did, you.
1: Did it send you to John to the story of the woman of the well?
3: No, but it did send me to John. Okay, I, I my, you know, I look. I said, okay, what else can I get? It did send me to John. That the, the um, not the the gospel of John, but the letter John wrote. First John, First John one verse seven. Listen to this in reference to what I just read in Zechariah. But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us from all sin. Now. If you want a direct tie, if nothing else, yeah. and let's say you gave people two different lines, show me uh, show me a, a, direct, a connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. Here, Zechariah 13, 1, and 1 John 7. 1 John 1, 7. There it is. I mean, that's just one. I mean, obviously, we know there's hundreds of them, but cleanses us from all sins. And, and you said it, Judah, too. All we have to do is, if you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior, his blood has cleansed us from sin and impurity and that's that's what Zechariah is saying here and as you said Jude he may not have known everything that he was saying in the import of it but it was very important
1: Mm. because he's talking about the fountain that got me thinking of like water and I got me thinking of the woman in the well story yeah yeah, so yeah but
0: but it's specifically talking about the, the fountain of Jesus which which is uh you know, if, if you've ever spent time, you know, in, in old churches singing hymns, the, the classic gore hymn, which, which nobody outside of Christianity would have any concept. But it's like, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, right? It's like the sinners plunge beneath the flood lose all their guilty stains it's like this fountain filled with blood which I mean it's like this gory like imagery right but it's like that's the idea yeah. you know and, and and although it's like somebody would be like what the heck are you saying? But it's like man this fountain filled with blood why it's because it's it's to forgive our sins and that's that's what it's um that song is like obviously referencing to this idea that this is fountain yeah. open for the dynasty of David the people of Jerusalem again there's that sub sub prophecy of like this line of david and all that stuff but a fountain to cleanse them from their sin and impurity it's like this fountain this fountain I've, you know and how we know that without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sin and how this blood that jesus shed now washes us clean man i mean what a beautiful picture it is, is. and
3: i was thinking i think it was yesterday maybe one of the girls you know up on stage you know a preliminary talking and saying things could have been reached. I don't know you know that it, it helps me to understand myself and to try to forgive myself too, because no sin, nothing that we've done in our past is, is uncleansable. If, if you accept Jesus Christ, he, 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 you're forgiven for your sins. All of them. And, and uh, yeah, I think it was Rachel and saying that, yeah, we, we sin again every day. We commit sins every day. We do it again. And we, it's the one that we thought we weren't going to do ever again yesterday. Mm-hmm. I mean, at least that's me. I, you yep. know, it's happened. I'm getting better, but it happens. And yet we're forgiven. Yep. We're forgiven if we ask for forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And we try to repent. And we, we, we do have to remember, at least I, I do. I try to remember, you know, that I've told you guys, you know, one of my favorite parables is. You know, the woman, you know, the adulterous woman there where, you know, Jesus is writing in the sand and they're going to stone her. And he, he doesn't just get them all to go away by saying, hey, who's ever without sin, cast the first stone. What does he say at the end? Go and sin no more. You know, that, is anyone here to condemn you? No. Well, neither do I. But go and sin no more, he says. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. OK. And and that's it for me. So, I, I, I mean, there's, there's hope. That's hope. That's hope this fountain of blood this fountain of jesus's blood is hope
1: and it's like very p- parental right because like she pretty much got the equivalent of a slap in the face don't do it again
3: i think jesus is more gentle than a slap in the face well he didn't do he the slapping <laughs>
0: <laughs> one thing i'll hit on while you guys are looking just skipping down since we're in 13 for the moment mm-hmm. and i, and I kind of wrestle th- with this read it in a ton of translations studied it out some but in 13 3 uh through mm, i don't know six or seven says if anyone continues to prophesy his own mother and or his own father and mother will tell him you must die for you have prophesied lies in the name of the lord like number one uh i think that's just a heavy statement in general because how many people are trying to prophesy things uh i'll go back to uh the election of 2020, right? And how many pastors there were out there saying that God told them that Trump was going to win the election. Mm. And, uh, and granted there's, there's some people that will debate the validity of the election. I'm not here to, <laughs> to, to, open up that can of worms. But what I, what I will say is, you know, Trump's no longer the president and, and so where does that put the validity of these people who claim to be speaking on behalf of God? You know, it says, if anyone continues to prophesy his mother and father will say you must die for you have prophesied lies in the name of the Lord. And, and I don't know, I just, you know, whenever we speak on behalf of God, like we have to, yeah, I mean, it, it was like, we have to like, realize the severity of what we're doing and saying. And, then he goes on. On that people, on the day people will be ashamed to claim the prophetic gift. No one will pretend to be a prophet by wearing prophets' clothes. He'll say, "I'm no prophet. I'm a farmer. I began working for a farmer as a boy," and uh, you know, because like like they don't want to be associated with this this negative image of mm-hmm. of prophets. And if someone says, "Then what about those wounds on your chest?" they will say I, I was wounded at my friend's house, and and so some people were taking this as a messianic prophecy. But as I dug pretty deep into it, it's it's not a messianic prophecy at all. It's not Jesus saying this here. It's it goes back. It explains it in verse nine. It says if if you continue to prophesy, your mother and father will say you must die, for you've prophesied lies in the name of the Lord. And as he prophesies, his old mother. And father will stab him, <laughs> and, and here it says people are saying, "Well, you know, what, what about these scars?" He's like, "No, I, I, I just got them at a friend's house. It wasn't because my parents stabbed me because I was prophesying falsely in the name of the Lord." And, and it's just it just shows the severity here of uh, speaking on behalf of God. Um, and here is Zechariah on top of this, bringing a prophecy, mm-hmm. and and it's like he realized the severity of the words that he was. He was speaking, and I just wish that people who claim that they have the prophetic gift would hold it to this high regard, mm. that they would say, you know what, Um, and, and I've seen this happen, again, I don't mean to cycle back to the whole televangelist thing, but it's like, you see these people making these prophecies and predictions about the world, about the end times, about the government, about this, that, whatever, and it's like, Just stay out of it, unless if you're sure that it's what God has spoken, and unless if you're willing to say, if I miss God, I'm stepping down. Okay, we're not going to stone you, but I'm going to step down from this prophetic role. But you don't see anybody apologizing or coming out and saying, I was wrong. They just say, oh, this other thing, or oh, you know what, something else happened, or God changed, it's just like making excuses for your own, Inept abilities to prophesy. I don't know. It's just something that kind of like just stood out to me because because I, I see it in the in the in the Christian world a lot. People trying to speak on behalf of God yet not really being sure um, if it is God speaking or not.
2: And what that what that does too is that it makes the people question the 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 validity of God. You know, like you're saying, like question this this you know the person who's trying to teach you, right? Like, yeah, no, they're wrong. Look, Trump's not the president, but now those people argue with people like ourselves because they've been burned Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so it's just it's a lot of refining needs to happen but people have to allow it
0: well since we're in 13 we'll we'll hit this one in um last verse in 13 Mm -hmm. i'll bring that group through the fire and make them pure i'll refine them like silver and purify them like gold they'll call on my name and i'll answer them I'll say, these are my people, and they'll say, the Lord is my God. That's beautiful. And just like this whole refining process. <laughs> I don't know if it's true or not, but it's a good story, you know, about silversmiths and how they refine silver. Um, and again, I don't know, I, I think probably people like make these stories a little more flowery, but yeah, it's it's nice. And then, you know, the, the, the story went, like someone was asking a silversmith how they refine silver, because right when you mine it, it's, you know, got impurities in it, and rocks and sand and pebbles and whatever they say you know they they melt it and then they pull off the, the the dross which the dross is the impurities and the person was asking the silversmith well, how do you know when it is pure silver and the silversmith says it's when i can see my reflection in it Right. And and all and although I, I don't know. I mean I don't think about silver. I'm like, well, you probably can see your reflection in it the whole time, but like whatever. Um, but from, from, from the, the analogy standpoint, mm-hmm. I'm like, that's a beautiful image though yeah. of Christ refining us to the point that he can see his reflection clearly in us. That he's removed the impurities until he sees us reflecting him. And uh it's not that the silver has value, but it's what it's reflecting, right? It's like a mirror. A mirror, like at least a lot of the the ancient mirrors were were silver that would be polished to such a an image that you you couldn't even tell it's silver right mm. all you see is the reflection of it and and I think the refining process in our life is not so that I can be more brilliant mm. it's so that I almost become invisible and I'm just reflecting the image of Jesus you know in my everyday life that's my two cents it's
1: 1995
0: What's 1995? You Here only have two cents. cents. It's supposed ah. to be 1995. <laughs> I owe you another 19 dollars and 93 cents. Then. Um. So yeah, on that point, thank you, Ben. Um. <laughs> so so let let's go one more week uh, in Zechariah, uh, eight to fourteen. Uh, we'll we'll read that a few more times and come back and discuss uh, what stands out to us next week hopefully not taking quite as many rabbit trails <laughs> as we did this time yeah so. i
3: let you guys run today yeah i yeah. like it going on yeah right? Dave, you guys are you, gonna have to bring you, me back
0: you got you got you got to rein us in from time to time so uh okay well next week we will, we will be on track we will be focused we will not take rabbit trails i'll bring notes I
2: promise. So. <laughs> i'll bring notes i'll just start bringing notes <laughs>
0: Well, we hope that you enjoyed our discussion today on the Thriving in the Word podcast. We would invite you to leave a rating or a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Also consider sharing it on social media. We can't wait to be back together with you at the Thriving in the Word podcast.